0: Welcome to the Buck Stops here. It's the Hall of Fame Show, Season 1, Episode 38, and I'm your host, The Buck, Kirk Buckner, owner, operator of nothinholofame.com, and of course, the sister sites, the Fictitious Athlete Hall of Fame and the Fictitious Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's Season 1, Episode 38 of the Hall of Fame Show, and Evan Nolan and I, we got uh, quite a bit to talk about. Three legends in the Hall of Fame world passed away in the recent week Tommy DeVito, Uh, Member of the Four Seasons, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, passed away at the age of 92. Chicago Bears running back, Gale Sayers, possibly the greatest of his position in the last half of the 1960s and the youngest man ever to be elected into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He's also passed. Uh, We also looked at Road Warrior Animal uh, from the WWE Hall of Fame, inducted in 2011. Another legend, one half of arguably the greatest tag team in pro wrestling history, if not at least the last 30 years. We also looked at the induction of Joe Buck into the Pro Football Hall of Fame and the International Tennis Hall of Fame. They announced their possible nominees for the class of 2021. It's always a fun show. Evan and I, we generally go off topic. Hey, but that's okay. That's what we do. So sit back, have some fun, and you might just learn something before it's done. Hey, hey, hey. Without further ado, here's Evan. Evan, how goes life in the Windy City?
1: Uh, It goes pretty well, I guess. I never really leave my house. Uh, (laughs) I don't know whether I live at work or work from my home at this point.
0: But uh, yeah, it's going all right. How about you? How's the, uh, the frogs? How's the island? Well, the frogs are pretty loud, as you can hear. Uh, I think what I might start doing is I might just go to uh, my wife's work hotel on a few nights to try to see how that might work, and if, if, mm. they'll, if they'll sort of let me do that. I don't know. No one's really complained about the frogs other than you and I. I mean, there's a lot of, <laughs> you know, I think it bothers us more than people who are listening. They just sort of accept well, it.
1: I mean, I mean, are we the only people listening? That, that can be a problem.
0: <laughs> i, I, I got, got a couple youtube comments on the, on the last thing so i mean people are listening
1: that's that true people are listening that's true i was I, I was i was fishing for a compliment you know or, or, or re uh, reinforcement that we are actually you know 30 how many episodes are we now 38 37 this is episode 38
0: 38 yes wow. which lasted like, longer than we, man we, i was gonna say it lasted longer than man versus beast I think two more we get syndication oh wow awesome I I, I was I I, I was telling my dad it's it's an award winning uh, Hall of Fame podcast and he said like what award then I held up my dog he said this is the award (laughs) magic of uh, magic of uh, FaceTime everyone gotta love technology Mm. gotta hate technology Mm. so uh, we were talking so like right before we decided to go on air we're, it's, it seems like every week we've got some deaths to cover, but you you had a great idea. Let's just sort of like talk about something fun to kick off. Because there is a, yeah. a, a legend's birthday today.
1: Yes, uh, Mean Joe Green's birthday is today. Uh, so that was all over the interwebs. Uh, but yeah, Mean Joe Green turned, hold on a second, I accidentally closed my little tab. Uh, he was born September twenty-fourth, nineteen 1946, meaning Mean Joe turned 74 of us uh, today. Uh, probably, I mean, Hall of Fame player known almost as well for his Coca-Cola commercial probably as his playing career at this point. Uh, I'd, I'd, um, s- I'd say
0: so. That's how I first actually knew who he was because that was like when I was a little kid and that commercial was everywhere. And that was sort of before I was watching sports. Mm-hmm. So I mean I remember that commercial like it was yesterday. Just this this big imposing individual just melt just uh, here have a coke and uh, just like after sort of like a tough a tough day on, on the gridiron like what if I don't know you think uh, he makes a case for the best defensive player ever? Ooh. he's in that conversation.
1: Probably in that conversation, I'm sure there are some uh, Chicago linebackers who have something to say about that. And yeah, uh, Taylor, yeah, Lawrence Taylor would have something to say about that. And uh, yeah, I don't know; it's 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 hard to say. Mm-hmm. But he's he's probably he's probably in the in the conversation for it. But yeah, we always talk about the death, so I figured why not? Happy birthday to uh, yeah to Mean Joe
0: today. Yeah, and especially considering we've got a few uh, very significant ones that we want that we need to talk about. Yeah. Um, uh, also, also, you mentioned to me that it's a big anniversary. This is a, that was a big day for us in Canada for three days. Because <laughs> what was it? Uh, yes. Th- it, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, it was the, the 32nd anniversary of uh,
1: Canada's crowning. Non hockey achievement in sports.
0: (laughs) Yep. Ben Johnson defeats Carl Lewis, which is how we got into that whole man versus beast thing earlier. Uh, In in the one hundred meter set, what was it? Nine seven three. Nine nine seven nine. Nine seven nine. Okay. And yeah, just as a Canadian, uh, what age? been? I would have been sixteen. So I certainly remember this, you know, very vividly. Uh, I watched that. My dad watched it. My dad doesn't give a crap about sports in the least, but he he watched that. And, you know, it was a big source of national pride because, again, remember in Canada, uh, as you mentioned, hockey is pretty much everything. But uh, with the exception of the Canada Cup, which is the precursor to the World Cup, there wasn't any way that we proved ourselves on the world stage before that athletically. So winning this high-profile thing, it was a big deal. Now, after, three days after when he tests positive, you know how every, every single Canadian news outlet described him after? How? Jamaican-born be- sprinter. Mm. Like right after, bam, it's, it's without fail, whether it was like, didn't matter what news network it was. Uh, I, I can't even remember if we had TSN yet, but that's how he was described all the way through. Uh, it was just so quick to sort of distance from that. And it was, it was it was a massive embarrassment. And then a year later, this, what you may not know, uh, in Canada, they had what was called the Dublin Inquiry, which was, I guess, basically our version of sort of like, uh, I guess, when Mark McGuire and, 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 and uh, Sammy Sosa... Palmero and Clemens, I forget the other, the fifth person, not Clemens, no, Clemens wasn't there, doesn't matter, uh, testified before Schilling. Congress. I'm sorry? It was Kurt Schilling. Oh, Kurt Schilling, okay. Uh, so, like, they pretty much had the same sort of idea, just to find out how rampant the steroid issue was. And so that, basically, it took all that just for Ben Johnson to say, yeah, I took steroids. So my dad, again, sometimes he puts things in perfect perspective, just said, so let me get this straight we just paid 30 million dollars so that we could learn what we already knew what a waste
1: (laughs) by the way make sure you get that consul general and their money yeah (laughs) yeah. or whatever it is yeah yeah Yeah. well by the way i'll I'll
0: surround palmero's birthday today so oh uh well something celebrated by probably not even his family Oh, I'm sure that his family loves him uh, I, Oh, I sure they do I, I've been <laughs> trying to find this clip For years on YouTube But I can't find it uh, It was during the All-Star Games so I guess it's probably been the last one that Palmero was at Because he was only at three And whoever was the announcers Did like a pre-game clip uh, Interviewing, it was Bonds and Maguire Because they were both members of the 500 Home Run Club And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. Palmero shows up like, hey guys <laughs> it was like like and you can just look at look at those two like Bonds and Paul and uh, McGuire's like, uh, hi Rafi. <laughs> just, it's like don't forget about me. Here I am.
1: <laughs> uh, back when chicks dig the long ball, they don't anymore. I don't think so. Hmm. I, I, uh, the way baseball the way baseball
0: goes now, they dig the strikeout more than anything. Oh, uh, that is true. That is true. Uh, so I guess we gotta let's. Uh, what, what would we call her? A uh, beige mistress has struck again? She has, yes. The
1: beige mistress is, uh, has struck again. This time her victim was Karoli Fater, and I have no idea if I'm pronouncing anything in Hungarian correctly, so all uh, people in Budapest and uh, Pex and Szczesged, I believe is how you pronounce that other one, uh, those are the only cities I know in uh, Hungary, I can all write in uh People write in, text in Troll in, whatever they do But a uh, gold, uh, uh, gold medal winner At the 1968 Olympics When Hungary took home the gold in soccer um, Passed away at the age of 80 uh, So uh, I can't even tell you what position he played hmm. uh, he, <laughs> he appeared for in one game In the Olympics for them And that was it But yes, another, Olymp- another Olympian for Hungary has been uh, has passed away, giving us as far as I've been checking, I believe that is now twenty three out of twenty four weeks since I started noticing
0: that we've had a Hungarian uh, Olympic athlete pass away. All right, uh, Hungary, if you've got a version of the FBI, <laughs> I mean, like investigate this. This is this is serious. Like I, I'm just picturing now this Hungarian <laughs> Legion of Doom. Meanwhile, back in like, Budapest.
1: Whatever what <laughs> whatever whatever the hungarian version of the old uh, east german secret police the stasi is uh that's that's they got to have something like
0: that right oh has to has to um, and I, I think isn't that built in once you became a member of the uh, the soviet bloc
1: yeah you got your own version of the stasi or the or the kgb or whatever the heck it was so yeah they, there's still got to be some of those guys around what else are they doing? These are, these are their heroes. I mean, the people from the 56, 68 Olympics, those are the people who they, were their contemporaries. Mm-hmm. Go investigate this crap.
0: So where do we go from here? Do we go from uh, some of our big names, or should we just uh, look at something that actually happened while we were talking last week?
1: Let's Maybe we that. start with that. Let's start with that.
0: Yeah, uh, so we do this uh, every Thursday night, and... Now that Thursday Night Football is back, I paused it because uh, I was watching the, the last week's game, the Battle of Ohio, and it was at halftime and uh, Shrek, uh, or sorry, David Baker was there just sort of like frozen on my screen. And I didn't really, I, I should have, because it's a Hall of Fame commissioner, I should have like just let that play out before I called you. Uh, but as it turned out, he awarded uh, Joe Buck, uh, the Pete Rozelle Award, which, I mean, yeah, you don't get a bus, but you're in the Pro Football Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, you're in Canton anyway. You say, "Welcome to Canton." Mm-hmm. Uh, he he and his dad become the first ever father and son duo to
0: uh, be so enshrined. Yeah, it's a it's a really big deal. Uh, I know that a lot of people, at least the Twitterverse, anyway, uh, doesn't seem to be a fan of Joe Buck. I personally love the guy. I, I love his commentary. Uh, I I think he's really good. Uh, what are your thoughts on on, on Joe? Uh, he
1: has. Lately grown on me over time I used to find him entirely inseparable mm-hmm. But I think having heard him As a person Like on podcasts and things outside of um, Outside of Play-by-play I like him more than I did before Because he's It's much like one of the, the, Possibly the worst song ever written uh, Is uh, You're Beautiful by James Blunt Agreed uh, But James Blunt is so like Self-effacing and kind of snarky about that song. That I like James Blunt while hating the song. I kind of like Joe Buck now while not necessarily always being the biggest fan of his play-by-play. I like him better, I think, in football than I do in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, he's he's been the he's been the voice of the the World Series now for 25 years. And then that little thing they had when he got—if he found out he got the award, which is kind of cool—he got it live on air without knowing that, knowing that it was happening. Um, uh, they said that he and this made me feel old—that he and Troy Aikman have been partners now for 19 years. Oh wow! Which makes makes them the second longest um, pairing for a lead. Team for football or lead announcing team for football in the history of football. I didn't look up who number one was. I'm guessing it's probably uh, Frank, or or, well, is Danny Don Meredith and uh, Howard Cosell, maybe? Or is it, oh no, it's probably Madden Summerall,
0: right? Uh, In terms of longevity, I I would say so. Uh, I don't know if this makes uh, Aikman and uh, Joe Buck the, I'm sure they're not the only two Hall of Famers. To to call games together, but it can't be too many. I have to look that up and answer that next mm. next week because I, I can't see how there's there's that many other than than those two. There there has Alex to be. Used to go with was it,
1: I know he's with I. I think he's with I Eagle now, But did he used to be with Keith Jackson? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I know. No, no, that's that's the first possibility mm-hmm. that
0: comes to mind. By the way, I miss Keith Jackson. That dude was awesome. Uh, I agree. I totally agree. Uh, yeah, Joe Buck is someone I, I do like. I, I never understood the complete hatred, but he does have, and I think you and I have used this word before, maybe I know that I have, the punchable douche face. Yeah, he, he comes off as snarky. And and there is something to be said about a guy whose admitted addiction is hair plugs. Yeah.
1: And and there's also the kind of the feeling. I mean, he started calling games. The 25 year old. He's the youngest ever to call to be the lead announcer on games. It just kind of felt a little bit like nepotism at the time. But the dude is all over the place and does a lot of stuff. And if you, I mean a lot, he's he's constantly traveling, doing all sorts of games and everything. And it's I mean he's only what 50, 53 now probably. I guess um, yeah. And and got to be one of the younger people ever to get this sort of award. And I we'll mm-hmm. talk about the youngest person to get a similar award probably right. coming up here in a few minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but
0: uh, I, it's hard for me to argue that Joe Buck isn't worthy based off of the criteria that they're using. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Uh, one thing that I remember is, again, just sort of like going back as a little kid when I started watching football, and I remember having a conversation with one of my uncles. Because at that point uh, – I hadn't really sort of like established my fandom to the Saints yet. And even if I had, they, they weren't, they were, hard, they were hardly ever on TV. And I remember like as a nine or 10 year old, uh, just sort of like admitting sheepishly and thinking I was going to get a dumb answer or like a dumber look, look back. And I, I said, like, sometimes like the games I'm going to watch because it was back. You'd either have a CBS game or an NBC game. I, I think that was the, the cases then you'd have like a choice of one or the other. And if the bills were playing, everything would be blacked out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I usually pick the game based on the announcers mm-hmm. Cause, and it is important like announcers mean so much uh, and as much as uh, I actually like uh, Joe Buck I cannot stand Troy Aikman I think he's a horrible yeah, horrible has, analyst
1: Aikman is not the greatest but he's still better than quite a few I mean every time you got Dan Fouts you're like oh my god why
0: <laughs> what did he <laughs> yeah.
1: wrong I will say I watched uh, was it opening night? Uh, Jonathan Vilma mm-hmm. was uh, did his first game a former Saint. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed Vilma as a color commentator in his first game. Okay, I, I, haven't, I haven't seen I have seen him since. He but he was pretty good, Jonathan Vilma. Because um, mm-hmm. I think he did uh, Bears Lion. Okay, I think it was the Bears Lions game that he did, and he was uh, yeah, he was he was actually pretty good. So it's good to see that that there there are some who are. Uh, Pretty
0: good out there, but yeah, Troy Troy doesn't say anything particularly useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my least favorite. Uh, actually, my not my least favorite. I was going to say my, my favorite one in the NBA is actually Chris Webber. Webber's pretty good. Yeah, I think he does a fantastic job. But we should probably move on. Uh, well, since we sort of like t- uh, t- stuck with football, there was like a major major passing. Uh, one of the greatest running backs of all time. And uh, as you sort of alluded to, the youngest man uh, to enter the Pro Football Hall of Fame, uh, Gale Sayers passed away. Yeah, at the age of seventy-seven,
1: and by almost all accounts, or all accounts, seventeen, and the contrary, one of the true nicest people uh, in in the Pro Football history. Mm-hmm. Um, he only had he had less than five thousand career rushing uh, yards, rushing yards in, in history. He only had 39 rushing touchdowns. another 3,100 return yards and eight touchdowns. Um, member of the 60s All-Decade team, 100th anniversary all-time team, 75th anniversary all-time team, led the league in rushing two years, 66 and 69. He was rookie of the year in 65. Comeback player of the year in 69, which just goes to show you, he led the league in rushing in 66. Was injured 67 and uh, slightly and then all of 68 came back and led the league of rush again in 69. Uh, had his number retired by the bears, but the bears have retired more numbers even than the Celtics. Um, but three time, all big eight, his numbers retired to Kansas, uh, college football, hall of fame or four time pro bowler, five time first of all pro. Um, I mean, he, for someone who only played for seven years, he did and spent large portion of those seven years injured there's not much more you could
0: ask for that he could have done. No. So. No, not, not, like nothing at all. Uh, I mean, he, he was, again, such a great guy. I mean, like they could have easily named it the Gale Sayers Man of the Year.
1: Yeah. No, 100%, 100%. Uh, yeah, Peyton, Peyton and Sayers, just, uh, two, <laughs> it's so funny with the Bears. The Bears, always have good middle linebackers. And tend to have really good running backs. It's just one of those positions. Mm-hmm. And their quarterbacks are almost always hideous. <laughs> I don't care that they're 2 0. Trubisky is not good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just, he was, I mean, and the whole Bang the Guns Drum uh, Slowly thing with him and Brian Piccolo uh, from back in the day. Uh, do you remember that?
0: Yeah, uh, Brian's song. Uh, I haven't seen that oh, Brian song, movie. I'm
1: sorry, not Bang the gun. Well, sorry, I thought you were Brian doing an homage, so slowly. I was going to let it go. <laughs>
0: I thought, I thought it was an homage yeah. thing, so I just sort of <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, Brian's that, all, that I, was dumb. All right, I, I haven't seen that in oh god, twenty five years. But I, I, was, uh, I was I was sort of like looking everything up, uh, like yeah, Also, too, I mean, like really launched, the, really put James Conn and Billy D on the map. True. Sure. And according to I one know, article, know, I mean, I mean,
1: oh, go ahead. Sorry. I mean, Colt Forty Five also put Billy D on the map.
0: Well, that was later, wasn't it? It doesn't matter. I just wanted to bring up Colt 45 worth every time. Uh, I used to buy those big giant bottles too. I miss those. Damn it, I hate the fact that there's only like four beers I can get on a regular basis. Oh, well.
1: Uh, sorry, uh, back in college, uh, in one of my fraternity brothers in his house had a Colt 45 uh, clock that every time I hit 45 it would say, Colt 45 works every time. So every like 15 minutes of the hour it would do that.
0: So I mean it's Lando Calrissian and Sonny Corleone. I mean like that's the best uh that's the best duo period. <laughs> I, I I can't think <laughs> Cor- of a better town. Sonny.
1: Sonny Corleone uh, Oh no, sorry, Fredo Corleone. Never mind. Sonny and yeah. I'm, I'm I'm done talking. I'm screwing up everything right now with movies and you just keep going with the upstairs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but no no, it was just uh actually I, I went I went to a uh, a Bears game, actually went to two, and uh, with with a buddy of mine who he was a you know giant Bears fan, so he had his, his Gale Sayers jersey with him. So and it's just, just such a, there's just nothing bad that you can find about him. I don't even know why anyone would want to look for anything bad because you're not going to find it. Yeah. And you know just, like, it's a huge loss. Like uh, you, you know you're in Chicago. Like uh, was that a, like, I, I imagine that had to be bigger news there.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was huge news. Uh, although I do have to say, one, I do want to bring up one of the stories I saw on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, but after the Newtown shooting, um, there was one of the girls who died, uh, brothers had their first Pop Warner game, and uh, they were worried that nobody's going to come, and they, like, had... A, they trying to support the Pop Warner team, and I like the whole town. basically went to these games as they were starting. And uh, one day, out of the blue... The dad or with the pop Warner stuff receives a football, completely unsolicited, uh, in the in the mail, uh, basically saying, "Keep your chin up, Gail Sayers." Nice. Um, and like, Dad never met him, anything like that. He just took the time to send a ball to someone and whatever. I just thought, I mean, just a completely out of the blue, something really nice you can do. Um, that was just one of those stories out there after he passed and touched me so.
0: Mm-hmm. And again, Gail Sayers was friends with Sonny Corleone. And another famous gangster was Tommy DeVito, who also shared the name of a f- member of the four seasons. Damn Segway! Segway, yes.
1: That that was worthy of if Segway didn't already have a trademark, you'd have just earned it right there with like, Segway in that quality.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Just came up with it. Uh, yeah, Four Seasons, you know what, when I was looking uh, looking everything up, the first thing that shocked me uh, about DeVito's passing, I didn't realize that he was that old, you know, age 92, so when I'm doing the math backwards, he basically did not become a rock star, because the Four Seasons really didn't take off until 1962, he, he would have been like 38. 62?
1: Uh, he would, yeah, he would have been He would have been 34 Oh, 34. So, sorry, but still Yeah, still He he was born the same year as my dad Which means he was born the same year as Shirley Temple To give you an idea how long ago that was Hmm So, uh, yeah Ga- Gaetano DeVito uh, Passed away in Las Vegas Which is the right place for him to pass away Absolutely uh, But uh, Yeah, was a founding member Vocalist and lead guitarist of the four seasons,
0: yeah. So not a, not a really a, also a backup, uh, you know, for the for the duo uh, But yeah, still, I mean, I that still blew my mind. So six years older than Frankie Valli, uh, a what would I have to look up? Thirteen years old, older than Bob Gaudio, the the main songwriter. So mm-hmm. you know, he just persevered, persevered, persevered. Uh, teamed up with Valley, I believe, in '54. That sounds right. Yeah, and then they finally they finally sort of like made it, and I don't know this for sure, but I would have to say that probably in the early '60s he would have been the oldest upper tier rock star, unless I'm wrong. I I don't think so. Chuck Berry maybe, but Chuck Berry wasn't as successful in the early '60s.
1: No, true, but Chuck Berry was born '38.
0: Um, oh, okay. I thought he was... No, now. no,
1: I mean, he was born at the age of 38. Chuck Berry only oh. was 38. Oh, when he was well. starting. Chuck, Ber- Chuck Berry was... <laughs> I, I make fun of uh, of uh, Rock Hudson being a high school uh, high schooler in... Or no, Steve McQueen being a high schooler in The Blob, even though he looked like he, he was actually like 28, but looked like he was 53. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same... <laughs> The same thing with some of those guys as well. Willie McGee, Greg Oden. There are certain people that always look way older than they actually are. Otis
0: Nixon. Um,
1: Ot- Otis, my man, Nixon. Yeah, that's another one. Um, yeah, how, and Roy Orbison, I always swore li- lied about his age.
0: Oh, my God. Because yeah. when
1: Roy Orbison was with, uh, when he was with um, the Traveling Wilburys, he was like allegedly 57 and looked at least 75.
0: So. And, and, that ha- and that really says something considering that he was standing next to Bob Dylan he was only 48 at that point yeah they, they had a picture of that like the ages
1: of everybody oh my god in that famous picture and like Jeff Lynn is 37 and and uh, George Harrison's 45 and I mean I'm 41 and I'm not gonna look that old in four years so
0: I I'm, I'm 48 I don't think I look like Bob Dylan well, in terms of age, in terms of everything else, no, I, 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 I never did, and I, I, I can actually sort of string a sentence together without sort of like sounding like I'm going to have a seizure. <laughs> Sorry, I
1: was to say that that's the one rock star you might think have a better voice than. <laughs> there aren't that many. I mean, it, it it's basically him. Uh, uh, Macy Gray and, uh, oh, I can't think of his name. He's saying, you got what I need. Bismarcky. <laughs> Bismarcky, <Marquee>, thank you. <laughs> I had Amy commoes in my head. I knew that was wrong. Yeah, so that's it. I, I, I got Bismarcky, Macy Gray, and Bob Dylan. I, I can't guarantee anyone else, but I got those three. And uh, and uh, Kesha. I can sing better than Kesha. I can do better than sing
0: talking. Yes. So... I don't think I want to ever do uh, Kesha for that number one show. But that's another story for another time. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Yeah. I mean, still, this guy had, like, a phenomenal career, uh, bowed out in 1970. And at that point, I guess he would have been, like, in his early 40s. And, you know, what did he have to prove? What left did he have to prove? It's not like he really bailed on the group. Just he was in his early 40s. Okay, I'm done with the road. It's all right. (laughs) hmm a uh, rock and roll Hall of Famer, a uh, vocal group Hall of Famer. You know, in 92, he, he lived a long life, long, prosperous life. Uh, I'm hoping that he enjoyed, I don't know for sure, but I, I hope he sort of enjoyed his his long retirement. And what more can you ask when you're able to do that? Yeah, of course. You, 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 the youngest of nine,
1: nine kids from an Italian family from New Jersey and getting a couple of Hall of Fames, that's a up Mhm. So... Uh, but by the way, before we move on to the third nature that I like, we want to talk about, I just want to run into a couple more, if you don't mind. No, I don't mind
0: at all. enjoy the music.
1: So, one of whom is uh, drummer Lee Kerslake passed away. Uh, he was most widely known for his time in Uriah Heep. He joined them back in '72 and played with them on and off through 2005. Um, he took a little hiatus there in the late '70s, early '80s and was Ozzy Osbourne's drummer for a couple of years. Um, but Kerslake passed away at the age of 73. Um, never, he One of those guys who was in a whole bunch of great albums, but unless you're right, he gets in. And I don't see a whole bunch of... No. I don't see a whole bunch towards that. He's, uh, he's probably one of those guys who's just going to look on the outside. Um or I guess looking down from the outside at this point. So he passed at 73 um, from cancer.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, We also had a couple more uh, people from the music world here. Um, So we had uh, from the Emotions, a girl group from from, uh, the Chicago area, Pamela Hutchinson passed away at the age of only 61. Um, it's too young. They're they voted one by VH1 as one of the 18 most important uh, girl groups of all time, uh, but and they're have, heavily mm-hmm. sampled by all sorts of people. I mean, Tupac, LL, Butang. Um, I mean, w- wonder why they decided they wanted wanted to marry it? Why so many of them? Even if you're not sure exactly who they are. Best of My Love.
0: Uh, you recognize some of the music. You get the best of my love. Those, who, those who've seen, ah, um, uh, crap, what's that Mark Wahlberg movie? Boogie Nights. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I think that's sort of like the first song they're using in the, in like the pool scene at uh, Burt Reynolds' house. Uh, that's true. Right. I
1: haven't seen Boogie Nights in so long. I don't think I remember the music.
0: Uh, that's, that, that's sometimes one of my, I'll put that on like when I'm just writing late at night and I can't sleep. Just sort of like his background, but that's interesting though. VH1 just okay. We're just going to stop at eighteen. They can't just go yeah. and add two more and say twenty. That's, that's work, man. Nobody wants to work. Apparently, um,
1: apparently Yeah. So yeah. That so that that was the number one hit for them. That might be on your show at some point. That went platinum back in 1977. Best of My Love. They also had number six hit uh, performing with Earth Wind and Fire on Boogie Wonderland. Um.
0: So, love yeah, passed, that song. She passed in only sixty-one. Absolutely love that song. That could be one of my favorite disco funk songs. If it's not, it's top five. It's right up there. Just brilliant. Earthwind and Fire really can't do. You can't really go wrong with anything from them. No, I mean they, they could have done the song about October, and it would have been just as good.
1: <laughs> do
0: you remember? 21st. Oh, that happened this week.
1: I didn't even pay attention to that. 21st of September. So, uh, and then also passing away um, was a underrated songwriter uh, Georgia Dobbins of the Marvelettes, uh, who are uh, again one of the most important. I mean, you have to say they're one of the most important uh, girl groups of all time
0: yeah regardless uh, Motown,
1: of Motown uh, Motown actor from 1960 and 1970 but she wrote uh, Please Mr. Postman as well um, so one of the most covered songs of all time I know I definitely know that the Beatles covered it uh, and it's been covered so many times but it, one of the most important Motown songs we're going to make near the top 25 Please Mr. Postman's way up there so yeah she passed Uh, earlier this week uh, at the age of I believe
0: 77 I said it and then I walked away from my computer so yeah we were saying like beforehand or I was saying to you first time I ever heard that song was by the Carpenters
1: yeah I I I think you should just strike that from your memory as you get older there's certain things uh, that you should just be allowed to forget about and that's one of them the Carpenters cover of Please Mr. Postman is one of the first things you should have on me, like, mm-hmm. you know, as you drink, just like in the wild, the weak brain cells die first. <laughs> Make sure that's one of the two that go. So, so.
0: Well, I mean, I'm still waiting for all Linda Ronstadt's covers, so leave my head. Uh, I'm not uh, a fan. Not a fan. It's all she ever did I was understand. covers.
1: I, I I understand. she She's okay with me. Uh, she's certainly better than... Uh, Styx, right who <laughs> I think is probably my least favorite band of all
0: time. How dare so. you? You live in Chicago.
1: I know I live in Chicago. I have to tell everyone in Chicago, they still are not good. Except for the one Cowboy song that I can never remember the name of. That song's okay. I, I will. But the cr- rest of it is really, really bad.
0: I was going to say that I will crank up too much time on my hands if I hear it on the radio. Living in Barbados, I don't hear that on the radio.
1: <laughs> you do. It's just a Linda Rodstead version
0: of it. No, it'd actually be a cover by some island person down here. My Uh-oh, first forty. Oh, oh, yeah. My first Christmas down here. I'm. I'm. I had to just listening to. We'd be listening to the radio. It's like, what the hell? What songs are this? I don't know any of these songs. <laughs> Never heard of that. And uh, I had to go to. Uh, uh, my wife had to have a procedure and obviously I'm not going to go into too much of that, but we had to like arrange stuff at the hospital. And so I had to do a bunch of that for her. And I'm in this lady's office for, for all of that. And she's got the radio on. she says, don't, and I'm not going to try to do a Bayesian accent because I've been told by my black friends never do that again. <laughs> so I won't. <laughs> and, and so it was just a Christmas song for Christmas song, but I never heard of any of these. And then she's like, don't you always hate you Oh, know, they play the same Christmas songs over and over. Like, I never heard any of these. Like, mm-hmm. And she looks at me like, I, like, what do you mean you never? Like, what what do you hear? Like, oh, you know, Mariah Carey. I don't know. It's always the same thing, buddy. That's a that's a future show. The uh, the Chris, the best and worst Christmas songs. Okay. Yeah. You're like that. I, that, that that's a separate. That. Yeah, that's a separate show. Uh, maybe maybe yeah. we could also do Halloween. I'm thinking about it. that the worst Halloween songs. There aren't that many Halloween songs? So. Well, okay, but maybe just the best ones. I wouldn't say the worst Halloween songs, but there's like 20, mm-hmm. Like, you just come up with like ten each of songs that put you in a Halloween <laughs> mood.
1: Okay, I was gonna say the zombie by the Cranberries count.
0: Why not? <laughs> if it puts you in the mood, sure.
1: I have to say, there. Have you ever heard of Stephanie
0: Maybe? No.
1: M-A-P-E-Y? Nope. She has a she has a song that my kids love uh, that I uh, recommend you find. Uh, uh, that's a good ha- Halloween song that goes, "If I were a zombie, I'd never eat your brain. I just want your heart. I just want your heart." It's it's a really fun, do it. it's a really fun song, I, and I, I highly recommend you should she, uh, find it and listen to it. She's it's it's good, so. She's talking about how she's a she's a zombie and uh, she just can't eat this guy because she's so in love with him and they're getting married.
0: So, you know, you, you, you got I, I, you, you got to hand into it, it. I mean, zombie love is forever love.
1: It, it is, yeah. And uh, it later it goes. Our greatest times will be spent kicking off all your friends. because I'll see, I love to we'll see will stay there.
0: So. I have a feeling that at some point in time, you and I, when we're finally drinking together, we'll be having a long talk about <clears throat> Shaun of the Dead.
1: Oh, God, yeah. Of course. <laughs> Shaun of the Dead, meant, meant to be funny, is scarier than Dawn of the Dead, which is not meant to be funny. And Dawn of the Dead is maybe funnier than Shaun of the Dead. So, <laughs> I
0: mean, just it's, the whole the, throwing the, the the out
1: of The Cornetto Trilogy is just as, I mean... I'll be honest. At World's End is as weaker as the weakest of the three, but Shaun of the Dead and uh, and Hot Fuzz are two of my favorite films of my life. So
0: the British will always be funnier than us and better actors. Don't tell that Samuel L. Jackson. To get mad. Does, does Samuel L. Jackson have a problem with the British?
1: Yeah, he had a whole thing a year ago at this point saying that uh, Brits were coming over here and taking all the American roles and cheap stuff. It was okay. weird, out of nowhere. Yeah,
0: that's so. might might be the weirdest appropriation take I've ever heard.
1: Yeah, it was it was weird. It was kind of out of nowhere, and then it just kind of
0: disappeared. So uh-huh. he may have just been having a bad day. I don't know. Maybe maybe he thought he could have played Stringer Bell on the wire. I don't know. I mm. Wow. All right, I gotta well, I gotta find should, that. Should
1: we go to our last uh, death here?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, this
1: one is all. This one is all you. Yeah, I know uh, almost pro, nothing about this.
0: All right. Uh, uh, pro wrestler uh, Joe uh known as Road Warrior Animal, passed away today at six. Or no, sorry, yesterday at age. Only 60. And so did you ever watch, the like, when did you start watching wrestling? I know you're not as big a wrestling fan as I am, but did you, like, did you ever watch it on a regular basis at all? So I watched when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So
1: that was the, um, the Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, Jake the Snake Roberts era. And I remember mm-hmm. at summer camp we had to do a skit. And uh, as our group, and I had to be one of the killer bees who got the butt, my butt kicked by the bushwhackers as part of the skit. so that would probably be you know 1987 or so and then I didn't really pay attention until college when my roommate had uh, wrestling games and uh, that we played like as a, a like a group of friends that play the games on I don't remember what Nintendo system was at that point um, and so then we'd watch some wrestling as well so that's the the Mankind Cactus Jack Doink the Clown which I know a third weird one but he was always in the wrestling game mm-hmm. uh, era and then I didn't really pay attention again until Kofi so okay. I have like three distinct periods I was paying attention
0: yeah the wrestling nerd in me wants to point out that the Killer Bees never wrestled the Bushwhackers but that's another story it was a skit for eight year olds so <laughs> alright fair enough fair enough um, <laughs> Uh, Alright, so like, well, the World Warriors were always, uh, they got, uh, well, they got together in 1983, I believe, and I didn't see a lot of them in their heyday, which was the 1980s, and growing up in Canada, uh, especially well, specifically the Toronto area, it was, the television for wrestling was all WWE or WWF at the time, so I never saw them too much, I would always get the wrestling magazines, which would talk about all the other promotions, And I even bought, like, would order, like, this is how long ago it was. I would, like, actually buy some or get some of those videos of them wrestling in other promotions, but I had to, like, get an international money order and send that and wait six weeks for a tape to come in on VHS. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Meanwhile, anyone under 30 years old is probably going to have to ask somebody what VHS is. Or a money order. (laughs) Or a money order, yeah, exactly. Or even, like, send away. Well, like, What do you mean? Like, with a stamp? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, <coughs> sorry, I, just a quick interruption. I remember
1: the uh, classic rock station had me, ev- when I was in high school, so 97, 96, 97 or something, had their countdown, of to the top 1,000 rock songs of all time. Oh, wow. And I remember distinctly sending them an envelope with an envelope addressed to me in it that had eight stamps on it. To cover the weight of the list that they printed out for me and mailed back. <laughs>
0: oh my I, god! I still
1: have that list somewhere in one of the boxes because I'm am a paper hoarder. Um, <laughs> but uh, I still have that list somewhere in one of the boxes of all of the. My goal was to get all top 1,000 rock songs on CD. Um, so I ended up buying a whole bunch. I have a whole bunch of greatest rock uh, greatest hits albums, more than actual album albums that was my goal
0: to try and get them all. But anyway, yes. back to your story. Yeah, so, uh, anyways, these two, uh, so Animal would team up, teamed up with with a guy named Hawk, uh, Mike Hegstrand, who passed away about 15 years ago, roughly. Uh, they were unlike any other team at the time, uh, clearly roided up, uh, the Mohawk haircuts, face paint, spiked leather, leather gear. They would beat the shit out of their opponents in just a couple minutes, that was one of the rare tag teams that people would actually pay to see as the main event. Uh, by the time they got to the WWE, uh, it was 1991. They weren't quite the same anymore, mainly because they were a little older. Everyone also too was on the juice. They didn't look as big, even though they were the same size. Uh, but they did—they bec- were champions in WWE, WC, no, not WCW, but the NWA, AWA, Japan, like everywhere. I did see them kind of at their worst. I only saw them live once. Uh, it was a television taping in Hamilton, Ontario, where, uh, what when, when a taping was, they would do, like, they taped five weekly shows, like, on the, on the weekend syndication. Okay. And that was when they were in the WWE for the first time. This was, would have been 1992. And it was really, really bad because they came out and did a, ski, a skit, uh, not a skit, sorry, an interview with Mean Gene Okerlund. And so they had their manager, Paul Allering, He says, "You like, oh, know, we're going to take you back to like the good old times. Remember when you were when you were young and you were ruthless?" I'm, I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember exactly what he said because they never did air it on television because it was so bad. And they brought out a ventriloquist dummy. <laughs> And it was named Freckles. Oh, okay. And the entire crowd, who loved the Road Warriors, I mean, they they, re, they were renamed Legion of Doom, but it didn't matter. Like, you could not help but love them. But the crowd there in Hamilton were just kind of all looking at each other like, what the hell is this? Like, like these two jacked up guys were inspired by it. By It, it, looked, it looked like, what was it? Tommy Talker, if you remember that shit. I don't. Just as well.
1: Okay, I, we're, we're talking. We're talking at Charlie McCarthy, Mortimer Sneed, one going. Some like night.
0: that. Something like that. Yeah.
1: Okay. And I just want to make sure we're, we're bringing in our, our audience from 19, born in the nineteen thirties and forties.
0: <laughs> hey, why not? Hey, they, they might be. Hey, help me turn on this computer. Meanwhile, everyone's thinking I'm old, but that's all right. Uh, but the worst part is, for whatever reason. Because it was a taping, right? They, they it it didn't something must have went wrong. So they sent them back out to do the same thing again, <laughs> with the same skit where like Animal and Hawker looking like, hey Paul, what do you got? What do you got there? We're like, oh, freckles, we remember you. And they they got booed, probably the first time ever they ever got booed, when they weren't trying to. <laughs> and that never aired, but they didn't. They did put out skits where they did find their their dummy, only now he was called Rocco, because that solved everything. Yeah, it was definitely def- uh, uh, a name change that was needed. Oh, yeah. I mean, th- this isn't exactly the tribute I wanted to give to uh, <laughs> Joe Laurinaitis, but that was the only time I ever saw him perform live, and Jesus, I wish it was a better thing than that. Long story short, I mean, like, this is a guy who... Was one half of probably one of the most important tag teams that ever existed. Uh, His son went uh, was the first round pick in the NFL, James Laurinaitis.
1: Yeah, I was wondering if there was a relation there.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, which again just sort of like makes me feel so old that like, oh my god, uh, somebody I grew up watching now his son's retired. (laughs) So, Uh and he had a you know fantastic career uh, mostly with the Rams, and. But yeah, he died at sixty, and apparently the day he died, he did a podcast that morning. So probably just unfortunately, when you're doing that much steroids, it just all catches up to you. The the human body is not meant to do some of the stuff it does. And and I think that's sort of like when people are are thinking about like a pro football, like oh, it's it's the the hitting that sort of like eliminates them, not eliminates them, but where they pass away early. I think a big part of that is not so much the hits as it is just everything they're doing to be competitive that other athletes mm-hmm. don't necessarily have to do. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I don't know, but it, it can't help. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, that, that definitely can't,
1: it, it, yeah, it just can't help to, I mean, I don't know if you,
0: I don't know if you have uh, seen Gronk have you noticed Gronk's body? There's a lot less of it to notice, but yes.
1: A lot less of it to notice. And is he good anymore?
0: No. No.
1: He slimmed down after he took the year off, would you go to WWE and everything else and be on The Masked Singer? Um, <laughs> but, uh, but like all of a sudden now he, he never really gained that bulk back and he's just a shadow of his former self. Uh, it, it's, it's kind of crazy, I mean, just what they have to go through. I mean, uh, Leonard,
0: no, uh, what's his name? Vernon Davis mm-hmm. is on Dancing with the Stars. And I knew we were going to go like, to Dancing with the Stars. I knew it. Go on. You knew what? <laughs> I knew that we were going to go to Dancing with the Stars. I have no problem with that. Continue. <laughs> oh, well, I, I, there's certain things I have to watch. But I'm, I'm entirely claiming
1: that the mass Singer I watch on my own. But uh, Dancing the Stars is one of the things that I don't mind watching with my wife. If I'm going to watch sports, I have to watch certain things. And that's one of the ones I don't mind. But he was on there, and he's still like ripped, but he's like way down from where he used to be. And like almost, it almost looks like he's healthy as opposed to like uh, 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 an action figure of himself. You know what I mean? Most Mm of these guys seem like action figures of themselves. And it can't be healthy. DK Metcalf. Like they had in pictures of him with his shirt off when he was uh, during the Patriots uh, Seahawks game, which was a great game and actually one of the one of the more acceptable losses the Patriots have had over the last few years. Um, I feel better about the team after that loss than I did going into the game. Uh, but DK Metcalf literally looks like he's made out of plastic, like he's that
0: ripped, and that just cannot be a healthy thing. No, it it, it can't be. And that—that's sort of like why. I mean, like when I look at all these people, I used to joke with somebody who was a, a neighbor of mine, and she—she she would she work out her and her husband like all the time, every day, and they were always sick. So like, "Jesus Christ, we're the same age. You think you look good ten years from now? I'm going to look—I'm going to look the same, and you're going to be sick." <laughs> yeah. Like. Just too much of anything is bad. That yeah, that's basically true. Says the guy who's going to have his fifth Heineken right now. One of the beers I can get here. All right. So, um, All right, sorry. Go ahead. Go right. ahead. Okay, I was going to say let's. Uh, so we can sort of like segue this out to uh, uh, a non Death Note. Uh, the International Tennis Hall of what? Fame. Hmm? <laughs> oh, sorry. Not much what? <laughs> uh, uh, the International Tennis Hall of Fame has announced their uh, finalists for the 2021 class. Uh, some interesting names, but every time I look at the Tennis Hall of Fame and whenever they have a class and whenever, it's just like, man, the bar is pretty low to get into that hall.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, yeah, am well, I wrong I mean, in that? I don't
1: think so. I think I think that one of these one of these is certainly like the the group of nine ladies. I do like that. Uh,
0: so actually, not you go through the ballot first, so we'll talk about it in a second. Sure. All right. So the 2021 uh, ballot. Uh, pretty much the biggest name on that uh, in terms of the players, uh, Leighton Hewitt, uh, which is one of those careers he started off like with a fire and then kind of burned out. Uh, the youngest man mm-hmm. at that point, I don't know if he still is to be number one, uh, won the U S mm-hmm. open in Wimbledon, but then never did much after that. Uh, Lisa Raymond from the United States, uh, 11 grand slam titles, but all as a double, but that's okay. That's fine. Uh, one, yeah. sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm, 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 I'm oh, along. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, Juan Carlos Ferraro, uh, French Open champion in 2003, uh, was number one for a cup of coffee. Uh, Jonas Bjorkman from Sweden, not a member of ABBA. Another doubles player. But yes, <laughs> another That's doubles another player. Double player. Yeah, another doubles player. Uh, nine major doubles title and uh, former doubles, were number one. And Sergei Bruguera of Spain, uh, two-time uh, French champion. I mean, some They're good clay
1: court specialist, one of the toughest guys to meet on clay.
0: Right. Uh, so, like again, some some good tennis players, but nobody strikes me as a superstar here. I mean, no. Uh,
1: I mean, the, looking at those names, my my first thought is that Hewitt is the one I would put in. Maybe i one in, but it generally is one or two to get in. So last year. They had Mary Pierce, Lina, and Ornale, excuse me, and Yevgeny Kavelnikov mm-hmm. uh, got in. So there's, there's two or three who get in all the time. Um, so my guess is if there's going to be two out of these, it's likely to be uh, Hewitt and somebody. Right, yeah, I'd agree with you. So Hewitt and... Uh, I. My guess, it wouldn't surprise me if it's Hewitt and... and Oh, maybe Lisa Raymond might yeah, be the other one. Yeah, I mean, Bruguera yeah, you know, and Ferrero both were good. I don't know. I personally between the two of them, I know that Ferrero got to number one, but Bruguera was so good on clay uh, that he it, it was almost unfair when you played him. I, this, that's back when I really followed tennis. There was a time I was a master. Okay, the,
0: the, fan. The, 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 then here's what I want to ask you because I, I'm not a tennis guy. I mean, I'm just starting to play that with my wife, and we really enjoy that. But I don't watch it. I, I even though now I'm playing. Why is what is it about playing on clay that is so different than playing on? I don't want to say grass, but turf or whatever it is. Like what? What well, don't I understand?
1: surface is... So, um, so I grew up. Um, my high school, I played in high school for a little bit, uh, but in our high school courts, uh, practice courts were clay and our, our actual competition courts were hard court, hard court. The ball moves way faster. Um, it, it bounces differently. It's the rallies tend to be shorter. Um, on clay, it's, it's a slower game and it's more tactical. Okay. Um, so where someone like Kafelnikov, I just brought up, could overpower someone at the U.S. Open, he was terrible. Well, he wasn't terrible. He was not nearly as good on clay because his big serve and everything else game just didn't work the same way because the ball gets deadened on the bounces. Um, and also the lines become more of in play in clay, in clay uh, because they're not drawn on. They're actually like stapled in essentially, or nailed onto the port. Oh, okay. So you can have, like, weird variations when you hit the, when you hit the lines in clay. Whereas, suppose opposed to just painted on or, or limed on with grass or painted on on a hardcore, they're actually up above the, uh, up above the surface a little bit. Not, I mean, I'm talking a millimeter, two millimeters above the surface. Or, well, I'm sorry, for our American listeners, that's still millimeters. Don't even try and put in inches, Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, so it, it, it's a very different game. Practicing on clay and then playing—I wish we'd done it the other way around. I wish we'd practiced on hard court and played on clay because mm. it, the, it, the ball just moves faster on hard court than it does on on clay. Okay. So oh. it's, it's a much more tactical game. Okay. So you, you have to think. Weird, no. You're not going to. You can overpower people, but you're not going to as much. It's not as hard on your legs as hardcore is. It's a little bit softer on your knees. It's easier to play longer on clay than it is on hardcore, at least for me.
0: So, is that sort of like favoring the more cerebral tennis player as opposed to the the more athletic?
1: I'd say, yeah. I'd say, or the ones who are more into spins. Mm. Like, if you like, yeah. So, if you like, if you like, drop shots and backspin and like all those other ones yeah I would say spin has a lot more to do on clay too so it's also harder to cheat on clay because if you're like it's a ball in or out there's actually a mark
0: <laughs> okay <laughs>
1: you go point to it
0: <laughs> so, 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 so che- Serena Williams ra- would, would be less upset in high school tennis, as far as I could tell so, so it's just, yeah I was just gonna say so Serena would be, would be less upset
1: yeah you're like it was that in He just go
0: pointing out and like that was it. Nice. So, so there's uh two contributors. Uh, one, Dennis Vandermeer, legendary coach. Uh, they called him the teacher of teachers. But the real interesting one here is this original nine. I've never heard him called that, but this it's it's, it's a beautiful name. Uh, so these were the mm-hmm. nine women who essentially stood up to the World Tennis Organ- World, World World Tennis Association. Do I have that? Uh,
1: well, the, it's the WTA now, but I don't know what it was at the time.
0: Okay. But they essentially uh, protested because they were not getting equal pay. And you and I, we've had many conversations about uh, equal pay when it's cer- certainly warranted. And in tennis, it completely is. Because women uh-huh. have been an equal draw for decades, pretty much both for both of our lifetimes anyway. I always remember uh-huh. the top women being – uh, you, you know, I remember Martina Navratilova being always in the same breath as John McEnroe when I was a kid.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Martina Navratilova—that whole era. So Martina Navratilova, Chrissy Everett, mm-hmm. uh, Steffi Groff, Arancha Sanchez, Vicario, uh, Gabriella Sabatini—like all those, all those people were just as big biggest stars at that point as the because when they were all popular too it was the kind of the tail end of the great seventies run. Mm-hmm. for tennis before uh before Sampras and and company took over in the 90s that that mid-80s period that you and I probably were more aware of it mm-hmm. was very much dominated by the women like McEnroe and Connors were on their way down uh but Be- Be- uh, Becker was in there Stefan Edberg uh Yvonne Lendl folks like that but the women particularly not the world mm-hmm. and uh and eventually, Monica Seles, uh, of course, dead. Um, mm-hmm. That they were they were just as big as But
0: anyway, so they explain what the original nine did. Yeah, so it's uh comprised of uh, seven Americans, two Australians: uh, Peaches Bark Barkowitz, Rosie Calais uh, Cassis, uh pro- Apologies if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. Uh, Ju- Julie Hedelman, Billie Jean King, Christy mm-hmm. Pigeon, Nancy Ritchie, Valerie Ziegenfuss, and the two Aussies, uh, Julie Taggart-Dalton Car- uh, and Carrie Melville-Reed. Uh, as the story goes, uh, in – was it 1970 – well, 50 years, so it was 1970, where they were sort of upset that they were drawing the same crowd as men, but being paid like a fraction uh, one on one-eighth uh, from what I've read of what the men were, even though they were drawing the same kind of crowd – and their belief was, okay, yeah, maybe we can't beat the men. It doesn't matter. We're still draw. we're still putting asses in seats. Which is really what it yeah. all, 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 it's all about. It's, you know, even today. Like, yeah, Ronda Rousey, like three years ago, I always go back to her, uh, was the biggest name in mixed martial arts. Could she defeat some of the people that, some of the men that she, she was out drawing? No. Didn't matter. People paid to see her. I know I'm one of those who did. I paid many times to watch a Ronda Rousey fight, and that was their point. And it started; yeah. it originated of what the Virginia Slims tour, and they they gave up so much. That it was such a huge risk because they gave up a, a, a ranking, like a world ranking, the ability to play for their country uh, in any international tournament. What they gave up is. Astronomical, And if you oh, yeah. haven't seen the, the film... Crap, what was it called? Uh, the one that Emma Stone played Billie Jean King. I'm blanking on what it was. What the name yeah, was. Uh,
1: yeah, I read it too, but I know what you're talking about. The one with the match with... Uh, what's
0: the name? Yeah, with with Bobby Riggs played by Steve Carell. Bobby Riggs. Yeah, and it doesn't even... Like, I, either way, that, that film sort of touched on the fight by Billie Jean King and the rest of the women there to... Bring pay equity in a sport that is reflected that it should be equal.
1: Yeah, Battle of the Sexes is what it was called.
0: Battle of Sexes. Thank you. So, and and again, you and I we've had this conversation many times. Like I believe, like I, I consider myself a disciple of logic, and. I've talked a lot about, I, sometimes I rag on the WNBA, and I, I probably shouldn't, but I do, and I'm going to again. Uh, the WNBA players don't get paid what the NBA players do because they shouldn't because they, they don't draw the same. Women's tennis is different, and it has been for pretty much my entire lifetime. Mm-hmm. Fair is fair, yeah, I mean, and they fought for fair. And,
1: and, and there are certain sports like gymnastics and figure skating I would say that it were. I
0: know they're mostly... Most of the
1: uh, real money is made when they're amateurs. But those are two sports that men and women compete in that the women should probably
0: take. Well, that's that's very true. I'm sure that... uh, Let's see. uh, Chrissy Yamaguchi probably made a lot more uh, when she was a professional than Brian Botaino. Probably. Probably. I mean, I, I don't know for sure, but... I'd say um, that. Victoria
1: Bummer, definitely should have. She was amazing. She oh, was my so God, She was so good they yeah. banned her big move because it was too dangerous for people and people couldn't land it except for her, so. Oh, my God, yeah, I remember that. Netflix even the, did the sort of flip, like a... The flip she yeah. used to do in, like, the middle of the ice was death and amazing, and they're like, mm-hmm. no, nobody can do it, including you.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Here's, a, here, here's sort of like a random sort of, like, flash from my past that... I either may or may not edit out. I dated this one girl in Ottawa when I was uh, going to school there, and I took her to. She was obsessed with figure skating, so I took her to uh, it was a, like a Nutcracker on Ice starring uh, Oksana mm-hmm. Bayul Okay. Uh, which was sold out at uh, the then the first arena that the Senders played, so like, seat about like ten thousand. I can say this I don't think that it would have been any if it was led by a male it wouldn't have been sold out
1: no probably not yeah probably not Mm -hmm. but anyway going back to the uh, the nine ladies um, so three of them are already in the tennis hall of fame clearly Billie Jean King as I've learned to suspect Mm -hmm. Nancy Ritchie and Rosie Cousins Okay, uh, is, are all Hall of Famers already? Uh, so I mean, these weren't these weren't nobodies who were doing this. It wasn't like eight people in Billie Jean King. right? Um, they they're, they basically signed contracts for one dollar, created the Virginia Slims competition. It's always good to have athletic competition sponsored by uh, cigarette companies, <laughs> um, uh, but uh, and and really changed tennis. Um, and I, there's. It's one of those things, like, it's hard to believe now that I know who he is. I didn't know who he was last year. With the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I don't understand how Ralph Hay, who's the guy who basically convinced the NFL to exist, isn't in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It seems like he should have just been, like, the founder of the league, should have been there already, and now we're 100 years in, and he's still not in. Um, This just also seems like why, other than maybe they couldn't think of it creatively, why we've waited 50 years for the people who basically completely changed the women's tour to be honored as a group.
0: Do you think that if there wasn't uh, the battle of the sexes movie that this wouldn't have happened? What's that? I, I didn't hear you. Can you say it again? Oh yeah. Sorry. Uh, do you think uh, like if it wasn't for the, for the film, that uh, Battle of Sexes, that this wouldn't even be a nominee?
1: I'd like to think the answer to that is no. Uh, Emma Stone was really good in that movie, but that movie was not really good. Um, That movie should have been better. Uh, So I would like to think the answer is no, because, I mean, it was also three years ago, but also they're doing this category once every four years now. Mm-hmm. so this is the first time since that movie came out that they would have had this category um, so I don't know the real answer to it it may have just been oh, the 50th anniversary also had something to do with it as well um, but this, they should just already uh, this, and again they may have not have been creative enough to figure this out uh, for a while but they should just be in as a group they all should have been in as a group for what what they did and the bravery they showed and the way they changed the game already.
0: I I, I think, actually, you just sort of hit the nail on the head. Just the creativity just probably, they never thought of it until recently.
1: Right. Yeah. It may may honestly have been, I mean, the NBA just keeps inducting teams, and they've just been like, wait, why can't we do that? Because it's not like those teams for tennis, generally unless you're doing Davis Cup or whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, that you don't think of it. Uh, so that may have just been it. And then finally, like, wait, it's the 50th anniversary of this. We should be doing something about it. Why don't we just put them all in? So I don't think there's any chance they don't get elected.
0: Oh, God, yeah. I, I'd, I'd say that's a bigger lock than Pat Benatar. Oh, wait a
1: minute. <laughs> 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 or, 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 uh, or Motley Crue being on the ballot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Or, or who was the other one who we were convinced? To oh, Oasis. Oh,
0: Mm. Yeah. Ah, well. you never know that's why we have these conversations uh, so next week I don't know what we've got uh, but I do know this uh, I will be announcing the first ever official not in Hall of Fame.com middle reliever award for the National League and American League wow the middle reliever of the year I think something that is long overdue and that's why I'm here so agents of the world, agents of the baseball world, sign your, sign your player. You can put that into their contract where they can win an extra $10,000 by being named the middle reliever of the world. World? Yeah, why not? Middle reliever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> middle reliever of the, of the I mean, it's a World Series. Why not the middle reliever of the world? That's fine.
0: Okay. Middle reliever of the National League and the American League. The first and, ever of time. Call Like
1: the, Can we call it like the Kent Ticolvi Award in the National League and something else in the American League? Uh, Mike Timlin? Mike Timlin, although he closed games too. But yeah, Timlin's somebody. Alan Embry.
0: Well, well, uh, wasn't wasn't a, a closer? There. I'm sorry? Wasn't Ticolvi a closer?
1: Probably. I just remember Kent Ticolvi and his like Coke bottle glasses. I was never sure how he could see the plate. Um, so, for our younger viewers, we all used to collect baseball cards. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'd have to figure out who, like, the middle relievers be because eventually all the mid relievers are good become closers. So, I mean, even Kimlin was a closer. Alan Embry was a closer. Um, eventually, like there aren't that many who stay middle relievers for a long time
0: mm-hmm. so in well, our Jays mini dynasty it was Dwayne Ward setting up Tom Hankey
1: mm-hmm. yeah Dwayne Ward that's a good one I haven't thought of him in years
0: so yeah when I do this whole retro from 1980 he'll probably probably win a couple of those I don't know I don't think his agent can help him now but still <laughs> <laughs> So we have that on the docket for next week, and like we always say, something's going to come up because something always does.
1: Yeah, one thing we didn't get to talk about this week, because we're a long way in, is the uh, is the uh, new Rolling Stone
0: five hundred you know that we should we both really didn't have an chance to take a look. Yeah, at. okay, it th- might make sense to take a look at that as well. Definitely, yeah. That that's something that yeah. Thank you for sending that out to me. I missed that completely because, uh, as I, I think I mentioned last week, I'm just going through old. Not old albums, but like the most critically acclaimed albums as per AcclaimedMusic.net, which I'm sure will factor in the new top 500 albums from Rolling Stone, which again, to very, very young viewers or listeners, an album is when an artist puts together a group of songs at one point in time. I
1: I thought you were going to say
0: Rolling Stone is a magazine Magazines (laughs) are (laughs) That would work too Holy crap You know I was just thinking about that too Like when I I was looking at that that link that you sent me How many people under the age of 20 Have bought an album Even downloaded a full album Almost none Totally Now how many albums did you and I buy Just purchase before the age of 20. And it's got a, I I don't... Obviously, it's not infinite, but it's a hell of a lot.
1: Like I said, I, I spent my youth
0: investing wisely in CDs. Mm-hmm. Jesus. So, yeah,
1: so, I mean, I have i have probably four to five hundred CDs.
0: Yeah, I got rid of all of mine when I moved uh, down to the crib, but even then I wasn't listening to them anymore just because of the whole digital era, but yeah, it's, I, I do, oh God, I miss albums. I miss the whole concept of an artist just trying to put something together from like A to Z. I, I don't even know how many even care anymore.
1: Yeah, it was, it was cool. Uh, sometime in April or May, one here in Chicago is, like a a legendary music station. And they spent an entire day just playing one side of albums, Hmm. like on, on vinyl back to back to back to back. And it was so cool all day where they're like, with everything going on, let's not do DJs. They didn't, they had no commercials and they spent like the entire day just playing like half of Van Morrison's, um, is that Moondance? The, the, it, it's, it's, Van Morse's Moon Moondance is basically what, it could be the greatest album of all time. There's like, no bad songs or anything on that album. Uh, they did Sgt. Pepper, they did like, Dark Side of the Moon, they did uh, all sorts of stuff and it was awesome. And it just made me realize like how much, how much we just have, It's it's one-offs now, essentially. It's, it's, getting the one song and going from there at the same time, you have to understand that that's probably better for the artist and that the album era is, was incredibly exploitative of them. Um, I mean, Weird Al's last album was his 14th and he finally finished his contract. Oh my God. And was free really? of the record contract. Yeah, it took up 14 albums to get out. Oh, wow. And, uh, and so... Like it was incredibly exploitative of the artist, and at some level, it gave protection. And this way is a little bit better, but you do lose the full storytelling mm-hmm. this way. Like you might have somebody try and do the Dark Side of the Moon to uh, Alice in Wonderland, something along those lines. Huh. Again, Jeez. but It's going to be few and far between. There, there, there are some bands out there still making albums and not collections of songs. But aren't that many? I mean. They've gone the
0: way in music, music videos, as well. But who's watching? No, it's, it's funny you bring up Darkseid. Uh, I think, like uh, back in my college days, know uh, the story does not involve a midget. Uh, where we'd heard like, me and a couple other people that apparently, if you like listen to that next to like uh, the Wizard of Oz, like it's the whole. And we did that. Yeah, did a couple. Like, cu- did a couple lines, and uh, well, it wasn't true. <laughs> Didn't no, it didn't match
1: at is. all. It 100% is. We lined it up.
0: Well, I, the lines I was working on didn't work. No, they're 100% lined up. We've done, I've done it twice with people. Oh, crap. Then I, then, I, then I must have been doing the wrong lines.
1: Yeah, it, it, it 100% lines up with it. Uh, the most obvious place is when uh, the Wicked Witch appears as the lady in the bicycle is the change point in the, in the album. There's a, there's bells in the album as you're starting. I think it's money. And uh, it, it's the most obvious. They're like, okay, now I, I know we're on. Like as soon as you see the bicycle, you're a bell from the album. And that's when you're hundred percent sure it's working. So, but if you're off by like a second, it's weird. It doesn't work.
0: Oh, maybe that, so. that, that might've been it. My timing has never been my strength. <laughs> <laughs> nice alright Evan I guess we'll, uh, we'll be doing this again next week uh, not along the lines of uh, Darkseid
1: uh, probably not and by the way I am
0: compiling
1: uh, my list of the first time eligibles I don't know if we're ever going to get people coming out I am counting them down on Twitter mm-hmm. I've done number 36 uh, Arion who the only reason Arion is 56 is there's nothing he's
0: done that I enjoy <laughs> um. Or right, I'll, uh, I'll have to find out and I'll keep retweeting
1: them. Yeah, f- fifty-five is the country teasers. who is a punk band from Scotland, who I do enjoy, but never had any hits. And fifty-four is French duo Air, oh, um, them. who are kind of weird. Uh, <laughs> so I'm I'm working my way down. Uh, pretty soon we'll be getting to Slash's uh, Snake Pit. Um I'm I'm still finalizing. I'm doing it to, I'm putting them up as soon as I'm sure like this is where they're gonna where they're gonna be. Well we'll have one more coming out tonight, who I believe is hold on let me open up my thing here. Next one out is going to be at fifty three. So open. No, open. Uh fifty three right now. I have the flower kings from Uppsala, Sweden. Hmm. Um, who are a nineteen who are a really 1990s prog rock band, which is going to be hard enough. Being a Swedish prog rock band is not probably getting you in the hole. Um, so they, they'll be up next, but we're going to work our way to the top two, who we all know as Jay-Z and, uh, and uh, the Foo Fighters. Uh, Very true. Very true. So there's, there's, not, there's not much arguing about that. So no. No, no, no need to keep that a secret. But that's where we'll be working our way up there. It's much more interesting like 3 through 7 and then like 8 through 30 as to where they end up as opposed to 1 and 2.
0: That's why we yeah. love lists, man.
1: Yeah. Oh, by the way, I left, I left out, I asked you this last week, I left out, uh, I brought up Garbage, Wilco, and the Chemical Brothers. I forgot Slater Kinney. Mm. Where would you Where would you put them? Because Slater Kinney I have is eligible this year. Some people had them eligible last year. Part of the problem we all have is we don't know Who's for uh, when by the I have dinner? them
0: behind only welcome.
1: So you'd have them fourth? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I have them in front of the Chemical Brothers. I was just like 50-50 on garbage just because, Well, I let's mean, be honest, chick duos have trouble getting in the hall.
0: True. Uh, so. Like In terms of my personal enjoyment, garbage is actually way ahead of the others, but... Right, agreed again, and I,
1: I yeah. said last week that I'm not rational about garbage. Yeah. Um, so that that is kind of uh, I love I love music with grit and a female singer. Uh, that's a lot of the music I listen to on my own. It's mm-hmm. it's strange. It's, it's people like Jin Wigmore. I don't know if you can know who that is. She's from New Zealand. Uh, but people like Jin Wigmore and Halsey. And people like that are people who I do. I spend a lot of my time listening to when I'm doing other things. And then I also listen to, like, Dutch Lecter's swing.
0: Well, not to to sound transcentric, but I love women with balls.
1: (laughs) Fair enough. And on that note, I'll talk talk to you next week. (laughs) All right. Sounds good. Take care.
0: Thank you so much for listening. We hope everyone out there stays safe and look for new regular content with, uh, from us at nonhallofame.com. We're going to have another episode of How the Hell Did This Get to Number One coming out soon, where we're going to be looking at Sinead O'Connor's Nothing Compares to You. And we're going to be debuting shortly a new show. How this crap, or actually, what are we going to call it? We're going to call it this. This crap went, was on national television. Alright, I'm still obviously working with the title, but hey, everything's a work in progress. I'm a work in progress. You're a work in progress. I'm a pepper. You're a pepper. Wouldn't you want to be a pepper too? Stay safe, everyone.